0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of The Transition, a show aimed at demystifying the entrepreneur experience for those of you looking to make the transition from the military into entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Mike Stedman, a Marine Corps veteran, social entrepreneur, and member of the Bunker Labs team. In the following episode, I interview Francisco Cortez, an Army veteran, media executive, and founder of the Set Rock Group an award-winning multicultural marketing and public relations agency that specializes in providing integrated marketing and communication tools that keep messaging on brand and consistent across all channels. In addition to overseeing the Set Rock group with his wife and co-founder Claire Bell, Francisco wears multiple hats as a leader in the veteran and Hispanic community of New Jersey, serving as the president of the New Jersey chamber of commerce and an advisory board member to the Hispanic chamber of commerce. Francisco epitomizes the philosophy of lifting as we climb and full transparency. This episode is straight fire. Francisco tells it like it is and opens up about the challenges he faced when he first launched his business, such as a lackluster sales funnel, unnecessary overhead expenses, and the stress you deal with as a business owner. This is another episode you don't want to miss as Francisco shares his story to prevent you from making the same mistakes he did. I hope you enjoy this episode and that it empowers you on your entrepreneurial journey. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Transition. Today, we're interviewing Francisco Cortez, Army veteran and founder of the Set Rock Group and president of the New Jersey Veteran Chamber of Commerce. What's up, Francisco? Hey,
1: brother, I'm excited to be here. I'm giddy. I woke up thinking about this because I'm a huge fan of yours, your work, and this podcast, The Transition. So blessed and honored to be here, brother.
0: Man, I'm so happy you're coming on the platform, man. Uh, Man, we have such good love out here for veterans in Jersey i tell you, it's like, it's hard to describe, man, but it just feels like we're all looking out for each other. Just some good people, man.
1: You're right. So you and I met actually when we launched the Veteran Chamber for New Jersey, right? And, And the reason we did that was because although veterans in the state support each other, we felt there was a big void when it comes to like legislative pieces that need to protect us and help our businesses. But when we created a video for the veteran chamber. I was out there looking for Jersey veterans who were doing the right thing. And your name kept on popping up left and right. And I met you, man. And I, we put you in the video and here we are three years later. So it all comes back full circle.
0: You know, I was thinking about that. Um, and you guys didn't notice at the time, but I was like, like you know how we kind of all start our ventures, but taking that leap to do it full time. Yeah. When I filmed that video with the veteran chamber, I was still in the midst of like, I had just quit my job like two months, two or three months prior. Wow. So it's like, I go back and I look at the young entrepreneur during that time versus where I'm at now, man, I didn't know what life would look like three months from now, but I think that's goes to the, the amazingness of having veterans and people you can just kind of lean on. Cause that made me feel special, man. I ain't gonna lie. Just you were guys. I didn't know what a chamber of commerce was. Like I was like a lot of veterans. We're just still figuring out what it means to right, do right. business and how you do business and how to do relationships. But to go to that, And then just kind of get plugged into that group. Um, It's just been great. And then another thing, too, is for a lot of veterans out there, we spend so much time moving around. People move around like you move into a community. You know, even though you live there three years, everybody's not going to be there on the same time frame. So you're getting used to all this switching. But it's amazing for all of us to grow and be around each other in a community throughout.
1: A community. You hit it right on the head, Mike. So it's important that you surround yourself with a powerful network of people that are going through the same thing that you go through or have the same ideals that you go through. And I often feel as veterans, we're kind of proud sometimes, and we like to do most of it, not everything on our own because that's what we were taught, right? We're taught, you know, get out there. Of course, there's no I and team. You have your team, but when you're out there building a business, it's scary, it's confusing. So it's important for you to really really understand the power of network. I often joke when I give a speech at the Veteran Chamber. I say I want to launch Operation Pop. People look at me they're like, "What's Operation Pop?" They're thinking it's like some gunho military operation and I created it for the civilian veteran entrepreneurship. And what that means is Operation Pop stands for partnership. Partnership leads to opportunity. When you partner with people It just opens doors and opportunity leads to what profit that's operation pop in a nutshell.
0: I love it, man. I love it. And going back on your relationship piece, like I'm in network and see as I'm just now understanding it, right? A lot of times when you start your venture, you kind of want to reach out and go to other people, go to other stuff. But then after your three year mark, man, it just kind of, you get a little clarity, like you come out of the haze and you just start leveraging people around you. You know, like, Hey man, I need a video shoot done. Why am I going to go? pay some random person out there. Hey, Francisco, you know somebody? Boom, sure. you call and it's, it's that and you just build in-house. And the more I kind of see that, man, that's when you start to really accelerate and grow and thrive when you make that connection and just using the people around you. And what better person to use than leveraging veterans?
1: Absolutely. And I'll give you a perfect example of that very thought, right? So I spent 20 years as a media executive in New York. And I know a lot about marketing and advertising and just communications as 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 a whole. However, there's a lot I don't know. And in this very example, I'm not. I understand the concept of podcasts and how powerful they've become as a as a communication tool, but I couldn't tell you how to set one up. And guess what? Guess who I'm going to call when I'm when I'm ready to launch my park, my podcast? You. you will be like Mike, my brother, my fellow vet who has been mastering the ways to podcast for the last month. What do I need to do? I'm not going to go pay a consultant three grand, four grand to tell me you need this mic or this software. I'm going to call you. And if veterans kind of take that same principle of support, we'd be a lot farther than we are now as a community, you know, helping each other out. But sometimes we just really need to remind each other the power of the network within the veteran community and utilizing what we know collectively and share resources.
0: That's why we got to do stuff like this, because, as you know, in business, it's a lot of posturing, a lot of yeah, pretending. Yeah. Like, you don't really want to know what's behind the scenes. And so because of that, everyone just kind of keeps repeating the cycle. But through stuff like this, mediums like this, we can lift that veil and say, hey, man, dude, everybody's making it up <laughs> before you go out and spend all this money on somebody you don't know, you know, Absolutely. leverage the people around you and you're going to excel. And uh, see, this is why I love bringing you on, man, because we just jumped into com- conversating because we haven't really seen each other since the pandemic hit. We The last time we saw each other was at a Bunker Brews in uh, in right. Newark. You know, That's right. And that was a great night, man. That was a great so, uh, night. Yeah, it was fun. We had, had some beers, met some veterans. It was just good.
1: And here we are again. Again, it's it's important also when you kind of meet someone, right, you kind of cultivate the relationship, right, where you genuinely stay in touch. I can't tell you how many people that I've met at conferences, veterans as well, who I give them my card and I, I, you said take the veil off, right? And I often tell people when I meet them, when I give speeches, I tell them, look, this is confusing, this is scary, reach out to me. And I don't say just reach out to me just because it's the right thing to do when you're in front of a panel. I mean it because I was lost and confused when it came to like starting the business. But a lot of people, you give them your card, you don't hear from them eight months later, and then you get one email and they're like, Hey, can you help me with this? Or I'm looking for a job can you help me. And that's not authentic relationship building. You and I met and we've been LinkedIn, on LinkedIn, on social media, emailing each other, whatever it is throughout the three years, we've been in contact. So guess what? When you call me, I'm picking up that phone day or night because it's been authentic networking. And that's really important for people to know that you have to value and build trusted relationships with the veteran community. Because guess what? You and I have a relationship. I don't see you as a, as a friend. I see you as a brother. So anyone in my network that I've been in, encountering for the last 20 years, I'm not going to be afraid to say, hey, this is my boy, Mike. He needs a lawyer. Take care of him. And instead of you paying six thousand dollars for a lawyer he's going to be like look man here's give me a hundred bucks i'll take care of your legal work that's because we've cultivated that relationship someone who i met a year ago i'm going to think savvy three times before opening my doors up to them so authentic networking is incredibly important
0: yeah man and he's right listen francisco reaches out to me hey mike just checking in let me know if you need anything brother i'm here for you i was like matter of fact I want to get you on my podcast, man. He's a sharp dude. Every time, clean dress, cut up, sharp. He's a pod, podcast. I'm in my apartment. He's in his van. He's in his car. He got a hide from the wife and the family right now to get that good audio. But uh, Francisco, real briefly, just introduce yourself to our audience.
1: Absolutely. So I was born in Puerto Rico, um, came to New York City when I was about one year old. Um, I'm taking it back a little bit, Mike. I hope that's okay. Good, good. Uh, um. And my first language was Spanish. I didn't learn English until I was about eight years old. I grew up in the rough streets of Bushwick, Brooklyn, moved to the South Bronx to a housing project, and then at 18, decided to serve my country. And that's when I really started to realize that there was more out there than what I was doing. Uh, built this amazing camaraderie of, of men and women that you serve with. I learned how to become a man. And I served until from 1990 to 1999, I'm 11 Mike, which is 11 Mechanized Infantry. So I was stationed in Fort Irwin, California. And for those who are not familiar with Fort Irwin, California, we're called Opposing Force Op 4. And we trained the military for combat and deployment. So they fought us in the desert for 24 days straight. And when we okayed the unit, then they got deployed to wherever they needed to go. Uh, When I left the military in 1999, I was very confused like any 20 year old would be. I wanted to pursue career in military. I want to do 20 years. Uh, my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, she goes, look, why don't you try New York city out for a little bit and sign up for the guard. If you don't like what you see in four years, if you have not accomplished what you have wanted to in four years, then sign back up and you have your seven, your seven years in and you can finish your, your 13. I wanted to become a cop, I loved it. I love being in the street. I'm a people person. I knew the streets cause I grew up in the streets. My wife, she was like, nope, I'm never dating a cop. And funny enough, she worked for a media company as a receptionist. She goes, let me at least interview you or get you an interview uh, into this broadcast company. And I laughed at her, I said, babe, I don't know anything about media. I barely know anything about computers. And you telling me to go interview, And that's the beauty about a military person. You're not afraid. So I studied the company. I studied what it is I thought they wanted to hear. And I was truthful. I don't think I I, I was lying to anyone, but the guy looks at me, he goes, man, what are you doing here? You know? Um, I said, look, I'm gonna be honest with you. I spent 24 days in the desert. I'm a hard worker. I don't know half the things you're telling me right now or understand half of the things that you're telling me, but I'm gonna work my ass off. If you give me a shot, whatever it is, just give me a shot. And I guess he understood and saw the real honesty in my voice. And he goes, "I'm going to give you one shot, overnight, no benefits, you're getting coffee, whatever it is you got to do." And my 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 brother is in the Navy, and I love military vets, so I'm going to give you a shot. And he did, and that started my broadcast media career, and I lasted 20 years. I learned how to be a writer, producer, communicator. I got into management, became a vice president. And then I kind of fast forwarded after 20 years and seeing my son go into college, I um, I started the Set Rock Group, a multimedia, multicultural firm in New Jersey, one of the biggest. Uh, and actually Set Rock Group is my last name spelled backwards. It's Cortez, a little bit of marketing. You, had, you have to have fun with things that you do. Uh, Additionally from that, uh, I am the president of the New Jersey State Veterans Chamber of Commerce, the only veteran chamber in the state that kind of fights for veterans and helps veterans grow their businesses. So right now, I wear a lot of hats. I was just appointed by Governor Murphy two months ago, three months ago, to the Restart and Recovery Council, uh, and we're tasked with kind of giving counsel to the governor and his is staff on good ways to reopen the state safely. So I wear a lot of hats. I'm the president of the veteran chamber, CEO of my company. Uh, You know, I'm in this council and I'm a full-time father and husband and that takes up a lot of my time as well.
0: Man, it's because we're veterans, man. It's like right now everybody's defeated, economy's defeated, all this kind of stuff. We're leaders, we get out there and lead. It looks like we're wearing a bunch of different hats. But it makes perfect sense to us because we don't know how to just sit idly by, and it's not like you're you know you're binge watching Netflix and you know eating tacos all day. No, man, you're out there getting after it. That's why you wearing all them different hats because we need you. We need you leading the state out of this. Now your your firm is sharp. I remember when I first went to the office, I was like, man, you own this. This is your building. This is your office. It was you and your wife all cleaned up, had to suited and booted, uh, <laughs> suited and booted. Um, but uh, one thing I'll say is, and one thing I like doing this show is, I like for us as veterans and entrepreneurs to take off our armor a little bit for our audience. That's because right. I know we can just look like we're, to be quite frank, kicking ass and taking names all the time. That's right. But uh, we have our challenges just like everyone else. And so, you know, what is something you're struggling with right now, either personally or professionally, uh, as a small business owner?
1: So it, it's important that people hear the real side of entrepreneurship. So I could sit here and talk about 20 bullet points that I prepared for you and make it sound pretty, but that's not gonna help the people listening. Entrepreneurship is one of the scariest things I have ever done. Aside from getting on that battlefield and holding a gun and saying, I'm gonna defend this country, it is the scariest thing I've ever done. You, You have to finance your own businesses because when you launch a business, that fairy tale about, hey, if you present a good marketing plan to a bank and you're a veteran, Banks want to hire you or work with you, blah, blah, blah. That's not true. The truth is they want past performance. As a young business, you don't have that. You don't have the clientele. You can't put that. So they won't won't give you that loan to grow your business. So what do you do? You launch your business with your own money. How scary is that to tap into your 401k or the money that you have in the bank and use it to build the dream that you have thought about building? That's a scary thing, but you have to do it. So what happened in the three years that I've launched my business, I've been through a government shutdown. I've been through a pandemic. I've had to borrow money from my own family members the first year because you banks do not want to talk to you. And that is as real as it gets. So at first I was taking jobs. Now picture you, this is the perception I had. I'm a Vice president of one of the largest media companies in the world, my wife was a media executive, and she worked for ABC, AP, AP, you name it. Contracts are just going to start running in. I won't have to worry about anything. To my surprise, Mike, that is not the case. No contracts are coming in. It usually takes you about two years to land a contract. So you have to market yourself, build up for it. Go to conferences. Spend your money without getting anything in return. So it's scary. That is a scary thing because I have kids. I have one in college and another 13-year-old growing up. They depend on us. So what do you do? You you start taking jobs that you only see a $400, $500 profit margin so you can say, I have a past performance client here. So it's a scary thing. you got to use your money. Don't overspend when you first build your business. This is the mistake I had, right? When I met you and this is real, when I had, didn't I have a, I had a beautiful office with a glass beautiful conference coffee. room. I had two <laughs> secretaries. I had conference rooms because I, it, I had everything. I had espresso coffee makers in my office for guests. I had sparkling water. I wanted to give that perception off that, you know, we were there and you had to hire us cuz we looked this good but guess what that came at a cost i was spending about 3 grand a month on rent it doesn't so i'll give you a perfect example keep your income and overhead super low there's great organizations like gi gofund here in new jersey that give you free workspace At no cost to you for you to have meetings, you have access to conference rooms. Leverage out people like yourself so that you're not spending $5,000 on advice from some other firm. So keep your costs low and understand that this is a journey, a very difficult journey that you're going to go through. There are no right answers for you to say, yes, this is, you know, This is great. And I'm going to have a contract and the money's going to come in. Here's another shocker. My first contract with the federal government was $94,000. And I was so excited, Mike. I'm like, I got my first contract. This is a year and a half in. I'm good. Here's the real talk. $94,000. I only made $5,000 out of that $94,000 contract. That was for a year. So you, you win $94,000 worth of a contract and you're only making five, you do the math. You got to really plan to keep your costs low because these contracts that you're getting, you're not making much on. So you ask yourself, so why are you in business if you're only winning because the contracts get better when your past performance gets better, when you build the name for yourself as a brand that people trust? You're able to say, no, I'm going to charge you $200 an hour for my time. And guess what? They're going to pay it. And that doesn't come without sacrifice. It doesn't come without sweat. And it doesn't come without a lot of headache. So keep your cost super low at
0: first. I appreciate you sharing that. And, uh, before we even went live, before I hit record, me and him were joking. Cause people see us. I know they see me. They're like, man, Mike got more jobs than Steve Harvey. <laughs> but Hey, I keep my overhead low. You know, my my apartment is a virtual boxing studio, podcast studio. It works for me, you know, and uh, that's one of the things I can say. I did really well. Was uh, I don't know, man. I've just never. I've just always been. I I I've just kept things lean from the very beginning. And when the pandemic hit, that's what allowed me to thrive essentially.
1: That's right. And look, one thing. This is this pandemic. I always try to be hopeful, right? What is the worst in this? bad situation that I can become a better person from. I used to spend countless of hours traveling to Trenton to meet legislators for the veteran chamber, an hour traveling to New York City, you know, for one meeting that could not potentially be anything. When you come back from New York City at two, three o'clock, your meeting is one whole day. So the many things that this has taught me is one, when my lease is over, Mike, My $3,000 lease, I'm done with it. I'm not going back to an office. Two, I'm going to be incredibly mindful of my time because what, you know, you hear it often and it's very cliche. Time is the one thing that you can't get back and the one thing that will probably cost you the most. So you want to meet with me? I'm zooming you. You know, we could talk over video. So I'm not, I'm going to be very careful on who I meet with. And protect my time as well as keeping things lean as a business is going to be really critical for me moving forward. Because contracts are not coming in. You know, these multimillion dollar marketing budgets that people that I work with are no longer there. Because they're spending it on COVID, on on on, on employees, on really figuring out how they're going to manage themselves. So, you know, we've had to pivot quite some, some, some bit since COVID hit us.
0: Well, I'm excited to learn more about that. So uh, before we do, though, we got to acknowledge Bunker Labs, which is one that that brought us here. So today's show is brought to you by Bunker Labs, a national network of veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs dedicated to helping the military-connected community start their own business. We're committed to seeing that every entrepreneur in the military-connected community has the network, tools, and resources they need to start their own business. 25% of transitioning service members want to start a business and they need places inside their community where they can connect with the people, resources, and support they need to start and grow their business. We're here for them. You can learn more by visiting www.bunkerlabs.org. Be sure to also sign up for Bunker Online, our social network for the military-connected community where Bunker Labs staff helps make connections to increase your opportunities. You can register today at www.bunkeronline.org. Now we can keep the conversation moving. Francisco, talk to us about your transition from into entrepreneurship, because one of the things I want veterans to understand, very few veterans or very few entrepreneurs period hit a home run their first time up at plate, right? By the time you see someone take off, they've had three, four, five, six ventures, you know, even if it was an ice cream stand or something that kind of ties into it. So I want you to uh, educate our audience on how you left the military to become an entrepreneur and then we're gonna roll in talking about the founding and the hustle of the, the Set Rock Group.
1: Absolutely, so after 20 years of working in media, it's really challenging to, to travel to New York City an hour and a half, you know, doing what I did and coming back at seven, eight o'clock at night. Uh, fast forward 20 years, my, college, my son went to college and it was kind of like an aha moment for my wife and I. So we reached a point where we were willing to risk and invest in ourselves because, again, you only get one shot at life. So we did. We launched the Rock Group, which is a multicultural marketing firm in the state. And what we do is we work with public and private sector clients to tell their stories. Right now, we've hit year three as a business. We've been blessed to see much success. We became one of the very first stable, veteran veteran-owned businesses in the state of New Jersey to win a blanket purchase order. Uh, for marketing and advertising. And that's really hard to do, Mike. So what happens is, for those not familiar with a blanket purchase order, it's a master agreement, a five-year contract that the state puts out and awards to only a few companies. So what that means is every state agency that wants marketing and advertising puts out their bids to those companies that are awarded. But to get to that contract, it took us about 140 pages of uh, a response to the state to tell them why we, we were qualified to be part of that blanket purchase order. And we hired about four people to help us out. Uh, and we got it. We were awarded. We, we've seen great success because of that That has helped us out. We've, we've won contracts with the federal government as well. Robert Wood Johnson Hospital, one of the biggest hospitals here in the state of New Jersey, is our client as well. Uh, so we're landing major clients now. BMW was another client. Uh, and that the majority of my contracts back to our conversation, Mike has been through network and introductions that people know. And they say, Hey, let me, you know, introduce you to this great company named set Group." We meet with them. We impress them and the authenticity in our work speaks for itself. And then they hire us. So, you know, I want to do the same for other people. I want to kind of introduce them to my network and walk them through the things that have worked and have not so that they don't mistake they don't make the same mistakes that that we made uh, as business owners
0: it seems like you've already you know given given our audience some insight into kind of what it took and all the tussle h- that you went through standing up the, the set rock group so i guess my question now is like let's talk about imposter syndrome because mm-hmm. a lot of veterans i know they feel impo- like imposters right uh not just veterans entrepreneurs in general you know, this sense of like, am I pretending? Am I faking? Especially for you being an executive and that's in the media space, former executive in the media space and stepping into entrepreneurship. How was that process for you standing up your, your, your firm?
1: So you, you go through a lot of hats when you start your, your business. I was really confident, right? As someone who was incredibly capable working for a 500 company, Fortune 500 company, and really thought that things were coming easier for me. Uh, And when it comes to imposter syndromes, right, I, I thought that I could kind of relate and transfer what I learned in my 20 years into my business, and that's not the case. So the realistic shock for me was that when I was in corporate, I had an accounting team, I had an HR team, I had a marketing team, I had a PR team, I had every team imaginable to me. And you are your own machine when you start your business. You're your marketer, you're your video guy, you're your HR, you're accounting, you have to figure out QuickBooks and everything else. Uh, So it really, you have to kind of take a realistic and honest, realistic conversation with yourself and identify what you're good at authentically, realistically good at when you launch your business, don't lie to yourself and say, this is, I think I'm good at accounting. Let me try it. No, don't play with numbers. If you're not good at accounting, call someone like Bunker Labs or someone like GI GoFund and say, I need help with accounting. That's something I do not want to play with. So my honest and most important feedback is when you launch your business, Please be as honest as possible with your abilities and don't lie to yourself. You can lie to the world, but you can't lie to yourself. Like, I myself do not like responding to RFPs, they're a lot of work. They're usually 40 to 50 pages for one contract, and that's just a response that never guarantees you work. So, being that I know that I don't like them, but they're such an integral part of my business, I partner with people who are better at contract writing than I am. So really identify your your weaknesses. Accounting is, my wife is better at accounting and numbers than I am. I was very honest about that early on. So she handles more of the project budgeting and so on and so forth. And I handle business development and bring in other contracts in the government sector. So really take a self-diagnosed look at what you're good at and, um, and get help.
0: There's a, there's a book by a guy named Peter Drucker. He's, like a, he's big business literature, like the Jim Collins. And he wrote a book called The Effective Executive. And one of the things he talks about is that like as an executive, you got to wake up each day and say, where can I be the most effective? And he also tells you to focus on your strengths and pay people to cover down on your weaknesses. Right. So just like you said, like me and you're talking, I'm not a sales guy. I realize that. I don't like going into Excel spreadsheets and you know calling 500 people. All my clients have come inbound, right. you know? And I found that works for me is just speaking, talking, shooting videos. It works really well for me. But again, it goes back to what you were saying of like, man, identifying like your strengths and playing on your strengths That's and letting right. stuff happen.
1: That's right. And, and it, you kind of, you you and I talked about it before the podcast on what makes you smile at night, Right you're doing this amazing podcast, you're partnering with such a great organization, you could be doing so much more with boxing and you could be training the elites of the world for corporations, but you might take great pleasure in serving the community. That's what make, makes Mike tick. And you can't put a price on that. You gotta do what makes you happy, what makes you tick. Uh, and that's another thing that I suggest to people is really dig down about what it is that you wanna do. Um, one of, you know, I offer marketing services to the world. I love it that when I portrayed that to my clients, it brought me back to the island of my birth. Robert Wood Johnson hired us to fly to Puerto Rico and, and, and kind of document their social impact campaign. So I'm doing, I'm getting paid to fly to my island to tell my people's story. So it kind of, if you put it out there, and you're trying to focus on what it is that you love doing, it really does come back to you without sometimes you even planning for it.
0: So I got to ask you this question, because you kind of mentioned it with about the banks and all that kind of stuff, you know, like we all have this vision of, we want to start a business and then people are just going to kind of give us money. But to be quite frank, you know, uh, America has shown a lot of challenges over this pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. Certain ethnic groups, demographics have been hit a lot harder. And one of the things I want to ask you is, you know, as a, Latino, business owner, bootstrapped from the ground up, right? Even after all your success and the VP and all that kind of stuff, did you feel like you were ever underestimated as a business owner? I'm still
1: underestimated every day. And when I wake up and I tell myself that, it kind of drives me. And the realistic story about banks is, well, at least the ones that I have dealt with, I'm Hispanic, I'm a service-disabled veteran, I work with the governor's office. I'm the president of a great nonprofit. My story doesn't get any better for a bank to say, hey, I want to work with you so that you can possibly bring other veterans to our bank. And the truth is that never happens, Mike. The truth is that although I wear so many hats, you really are a number to a bank. You're only as much as how much you have and how much you can bring into that bank. Um, There are certain banks, don't get me wrong, that do favor veteran businesses. But nonetheless, you really have to have, for lack of a better term, your shit together. You gotta have, you gotta sell the bank on your story, but your story is not gonna get you that long. They wanna see numbers. So stay lean, make sure that you're pro, you know, you're able to project, project what you think will, be a profit a realistic profit to a bank because at the end of the day it's a business um, and learn about when when you sit in front of a bank right and this is where bunker labs and other veterans and other entrepreneurships you have to have your files organized so early on i suggest that as a veteran entrepreneurship build a dropbox or a google uh dropbox folder keep your taxes in there keep your formation documents in there keep your receipts in there so God forbid you get audited. Anything, your 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 business plan, what is your business plan? Start working on that. There's free templates out there that I can pass any veteran out there. So really, really, really stay organized from the get-go when you launch your business. That's gonna be really key.
0: So for our minority business owners out there that are similar to me and you, right? We don't have the MBA backgrounds. You know, we just... Workers, we get after it, we get it done. Um, And, you know, that Lance Corporal, that sergeant that's thinking about getting out. You know, one thing for me as a as a as a black officer, especially, I would always come across very talented, you know, uh, black and Latino Marines or sailors. And I'm like, man, you should be an officer. And it's just like they can't fathom it, you know, especially in environments where they don't see themselves represented as an executive of a company, how has that been, especially in the media space rolling around? Because I know you said the first multicultural media agency um, in New Jersey, right? So you've had to kind of go through that process. What words of encouragement would you give to those young black and Latino uh, sailors, airmen, you know, enlisted and officers that are stepping out in this space without, you know, a traditional business background?
1: Right. And and that's usually the case where the skills that you've acquired in the military are, are kind of hard for you to transfer into the civilian world. And it's really challenging. And that's why great organizations like our chamber, the New Jersey State Veterans Chamber, Bunker Labs that you're associated with, and associating yourself with other veterans that are doing and have already transferred into civilian uh, life and have started their businesses, partner with those organizations and become familiar with the process and join Doom Corps or community networking groups for veterans that you can share frustration. And I have to say, there's gonna be a lot of frustration, right? Taking the mask off. PTSD is something that's very prevalent within the veteran community. You come out, you're trained, I serve my country, why am I not getting the results and the help that I can? It really does get to you, it pisses you the hell off. And people become our community very prone to PTSD. You add another layer of complexity to a veteran's life and you throw a business into it where you know they're not gonna be profitable and they're gonna meet certain um, hurdles, that also affects the veteran as well. So I highly urge veterans that when they go through the transition of military to civilian, from civilian to entrepreneurship, that health becomes as important as funding and taking care of anything else that your business requires. I wake up every single day, Mike. To, I start the prayer meditation for five minutes. Then I go into mindfulness practice. And then I work out during the day. I keep myself mentally strong because I know next week I, I could be you know, going through something that I need to be mentally stable for. So take care of your mind, body, and soul because that is equally as important as any business you could launch. And once you have your business, you as the leader, as the person in charge of it, if you are no good to yourself, you can't be of service to others.
0: That's such a great point. And I'm the same way. Y'all, y'all don't see Cortez. I mean, y'all don't see Francisco like me, man. My man is jacked. Like when I say booted and booted, form fitting only. I mean, you can tell he works out, but that is so important because You don't know what's coming down the pipeline. I know when I was an officer in the Marines, I worked out every day because I'm like, man, you never know what's coming. I just know I need to be physically, mentally, and spiritually strong. And that's one thing we don't talk about a lot, I think, in terms of like the wellness space of like making sure you're meditating, journaling, working out, you know, even if it's just 30 minutes because you need that so you can just be the best version of yourself. Absolutely.
1: It is really important. And then I think the biggest misconception among our community is, right, I don't like meditating because it takes too damn long, and I'm not going to sit down for 45 minutes and, and start floating on air. That's a big misconception. Meditating could be used simply walking and meditating for two minutes, 60 seconds a day. That's a form of meditation. As long as you do something that really triggers happiness in you, it could be riding a bike, it could be kayaking, it could be lifting weights, it could be boxing, whatever it is that you like. It doesn't have to be meditating. Take time. For yourself, I cannot stress that enough. And when you're feeling down, because I feel down, I'm pretty sure, Mike, you've had your own moments where you're like, "Shit, this COVID stuff is kicking me in the butt." Call someone, talk to them. Don't keep it to yourself. Pick up the phone, you know, message someone on social media, and just air it out. I'm pretty sure once you talk to somebody about what it is that you're facing, either uh, through entrepreneurship or just having a bad day at home because of X, Y, and Z. We're there. We're And I mean, we, the veteran community, we're there for for everyone. So we have to stick together and just be, like you said, take take the mask off. You know, be real. I'm, I'm, I'm a CEO, but I'm also human. And when I'm human, I want to talk to other human beings that get what I'm going through. We laugh about it. Then the next day, I'm back at it again. So take care of yourself, folks out there, okay? That's important.
0: And that's why those networking events, whether virtually or in person, are so key because it's just such good energy. We're all at the Bunker Brews. It was just like, what's up, man? You know, We acknowledge business is hard, it's a grind, but everyone just enjoyed the moment and enjoyed the energy around each other. That's um, and that's that's why we gotta, gotta have stuff like this. So I got a couple more questions for you. Sure. First thing I wanna ask you though is, all right, so I look at our peer group here in Jersey. I feel mm-hmm. like you're my peer, uh, Backwards Flag Brewery, Tory, Backpacks for Life, you know, all of us that kind of came out with the veteran chamber that's right true. around that time. But as you started your business, what did you see in maybe veteran business or entrepreneur businesses that aren't around that came out with you? You know, were there other other groups that other businesses that launched similar to when you guys launched the Set Rock Group that were not able to survive? And uh, what lessons do you learn? do you have for our audience?
1: That's a very good question, Mike. So when I launched the SetRock Group with my wife, that very question was asked about a thousand times. A marketing firm. How many marketing firms are there in New Jersey? Right. And there were so many. Everybody calls themselves a marketer. And with technology nowadays, it's real easy to do. But how are we different than those around us? And here's another thing that's funny, but I'm I, I love the transparency in this conversation. I thought that because I was certified as a service to stable veteran business, that contracts and set asides and you name it were kinda come knocking on the door. That is so false, Mike. Just because you have a veteran or service-disabled veteran business, that does not guarantee you a contract. It almost often doesn't even let you in the door. It's just a conversation starter. And year three, year one, I made the mistake of leading with, I am a service-disabled, veteran-owned marketing company, thinking that that was going to impress them. People, they value that you served our country, but when they're about to give you a 100000 or half a million dollars or $1 million contract, they're not going to give it to you because you're a service disabled veteran. They're going to give it to you because you're qualified to do the job. Speak about your qualifications first and how you can tell their story or how you can sell the product or whatever it is that you do. And then at the end of the conversation, say, oh, yes, actually, I'm a service disabled veteran business in the state of New Jersey. And that lets them know that, hey, they know what they're doing. They're not trying to throw this veteran thing into my face. So, you know, I, I suggest that veteran companies don't throw that uh, right off the bat to a procurement officer or someone because it doesn't impress. them. Yeah.
0: I know when I was first starting, I was asking, is your service able veteran, your service able, able veteran? It goes back to what you were saying. For me, it was just the time thing. I'm like, man, I got a nonprofit. I ain't got it. I'm running around. And now, like when I used to do sales stuff, I just I, I do ghost stuff. I just do a one page proposal, send it out, see if they're interested, you know, Um, because it all goes back to solving a problem, identifying a problem, having value for someone, whether you market a product or a service and delivering on it, you know, the very basics of business. And it sounds like you came to that understanding yourself as well. And, you know, now you can focus your attention on driving revenue and getting clients without having to lean on something, just letting it be a a piece of who you are. Like that's the bonus you get because that's what I bring to the fight and I bring to this business. Right,
1: and and you know, it's, it's constant evolution, right? Year three, we've evolved and changed our logo, we've changed our website, we've changed our messaging. And there's nothing wrong with that. You have to continuously change with the times and with technology. If you feel that a, a new social media platform is launching Let's just say it launched yesterday and it's the talk of the town and everyone is on there. Guess what? You have to learn about that and you have to be able to speak about that as a marketer, but nonetheless, adapt your stuff to what is the environment that you're servicing. So don't, you know, don't be afraid to continuously change. You're always going to change. There's no right or wrong answer, but as long as you speak to folks authentically, I think that'll come across well for veteran businesses.
0: Speaking of change, what are your future plans for Set Rock and you and your family as an entrepreneur?
1: So, that's a real good question. And it, as an entrepreneur, Mike, as a CEO, you always want to say, if you would have asked me that last year, I would have said, I want to own my own buildings, right? I want to have multi million dollar accounts at home. And I want to be able to provide my family. It's kind of the ego thing that, you know, that kind of kicks in. I still wanna do that. I'm not gonna lie because I'm relentless when it comes to like business. I wanna be successful because at the end of the day, you wanna take care of the people that you love. But as you grow older and you see things that other veterans go through and other Latinos and Blacks go through, you kinda of take a step back. So I, my prayer every day is God, guide my steps so that I can be of service to others through my business, or through my friendships. So I lead with that because I wanna be able to, through this podcast, if I help anyone, right, become a better entrepreneur, become a veteran, a better veteran business, then you really cannot put a price on that. You can't put a price on helping others. And I believe if you now, this is where I am, I can't speak for others, if I lead my day with that, I'm I'm still going to be relentless, Mike, when it comes to contracting and finding opportunities and partnering with the right people. But I'm also not going to forget about the people that I'm able to help through my platform, through the Veteran Chamber, through the appointment by the governor, through speaking with you and your amazing platform. So I want to be of service to others so that I can be successful and help those that are following. And if you and I can partner, in a year's time from now or a month's time from now and create the best podcast in the world. You know what I'm saying? And that leads to a successful venture. Who knows? You can never, ever say no to something that you don't have planned for. So, you know, I want to continue doing good. I want to continue telling people stories and making money, but I also want to continue giving back. And that helps me sleep at night.
0: I tell you, man, that's helped me get through the pandemic. When my revenue fell to zero that first week after they canceled <laughs> the NBA, I was like, what did I start my venture for? I've started my venture to focus on impact. So at my lowest, I'm just going to focus on impact because that's who we are as a brand. That's our core. And as long as we have that, we're still in the fight. And sure enough, what happened? Clients start to come back on board and everything. So it sounds like that's what you're talking about is just focus on the impacts. let everything take care of itself. And here's something I'll tell you personally after you know, listening to your story. The entire time I've known you in three years, even dealing with all the stuff with the uh, not having accounts come in and RFPs and taking low margins, you have never once shown negative energy towards me or any other veterans. You're always, hey, reach out, let me know if you need anything. But that just kind of shows that the caliber of community you have as veterans step out in entrepreneurship, man. Let us catch you, let us lift you up. And uh, right. Francisco is here, and man, there's just so much support through Bunker Labs. Um, it's just, it's just great. And uh, so you just know, y'all, we're out here. Francisco, do me a favor. Got any takeaways for our audience, book recommendations, podcasts, articles, anything along those lines?
1: I do, Mike. Well, as far as podcasts, I'm going to have to plug you. This is this this podcast here is going to be bigger than any other veteran podcast. And I tell you and I tell you this because the man leading it, Mike, is just a real dude. Right. And he gives other veterans like myself, a platform. So this is my number one podcast right now, The Transition. A book that I have read, uh, which helped me a lot, is called The Entrepreneur Roller Coaster. But I believe the author is Darren Hardy. Um, That for me, it was kind of like when I read that book, it's a real conversation of kind of like what you and I talked about. He took his, his armor off and he was like, look, this is what I went through. This is what you're gonna go through be ready for it. So it was kind of a, it wasn't like a fluff book. It was a realistic look at entrepreneurship and the guy's really successful. So you kind of want to read other people's successful stories and their journeys, the good and the bad. So that was a good um, uh, a book for, for me to read. And if you're a veteran, not only in New Jersey, but just within your States take time to find out who's doing what in your respective States. It could be RWB. It could be a bunker lab in your respective state or a chamber of commerce. But surround yourself continuously about uh, other vets who are as passionate as you are or just simply finding people to talk to about your aspirations and have people guide you. It's going to be really, really instrumental in getting to the next uh, step in your success. Uh, Operation POP. I'll reiterate that. Remember that folks operation pop profit leads to, I mean, uh, partnership, my apologies, partnership leads to opportunity. Opportunity will lead to profit. So think about operation pop when you're around your folks, laugh about it, but it's true. Uh, don't forget you're never alone and take, take care of your mental and physical being. Please, please, please meditate, do something fun, talk to folks, I think I'm going to invite Mike to, to, to lunch one day outdoors in public. We're going to be safe about it, but we're going to laugh. And when you smile with someone you respect, uh, it, it goes a long way. Uh, I mean this sincerely for anyone listening. Reach out to me on LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, anything you need, any advice I can offer you. If I can access my network to you and help you through whatever it is that you want to accomplish as a veteran entrepreneur, I'm at your disposal.
0: Appreciate that, Francisco. And before I let you go, you know, any final words of encouragement to our audience as they are transitioning out the military, transitioning from their for-profit—I mean, church—transitioning from their full-time job into, you know, their 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 venture. What closing words do you want to say to them to help give them nudge to help give them that nudge and help them feel encouraged?
1: It is not impossible to be happy and successful. We as veterans have come through many obstacles in our military career. There's nothing that we have gone through within service, uh, through our respective branch and job that you won't encounter through entrepreneurship. When you start that business or when you are ready to start that business, please reach out to folks before you do so. Please protect your savings, right? Uh, you can put money into your accounts, but stay lean or rent the office. Like I did, uh, don't pay thousands of dollars for services. You don't need stay lean, stay lean, stay lean. Don't spend, make more than you spend. And when you focus on that, you'll be a success in no time.
0: Francisco, I appreciate you. I appreciate everything you do for the state of New Jersey, the veterans, and especially coming onto this platform and dropping those gems for our audience. For our listeners out there, do us a favor. Subscribe to The Transition on iTunes, Spotify, whatever listener service you're using today. And we really appreciate if you will leave us a review. You want to get plugged into the Bunker Lab ecosystem? Visit www.bunkerlabs.org. Select the city nearest to you. Sign up for a local newsletter and attend one of our networking events which are currently being run virtual due to the pandemic. It's that simple. From there, be sure to get connected at Bunker Online, where you can learn about our many different programs to support your entrepreneurial journey. We have programs that will take you from idea to invoice, incubate you, and position you to grow alongside other founders and CEOs. You can learn more by visiting www.bunkeronline.org. Thanks again for tuning in with us. Until next time, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week.